I'm glad to be in the house of God. I was glad last night. I was glad 909, and I'm glad now. I get to triple dip most of the weekends, and it's a fun thing. How many of you like, like three dips of ice cream? And then dipped in cherry? Oh, yes. I love, I love a double dip, a triple dip. I'm thankful that you're here today. While coming to church doesn't make you a Christian, I think Christians should want to come to church. And so I'm thankful that you're here. If you're online, I'm glad that you're online. I would be gladder if you were here, if you could be here. Because online, you can't experience, I think, the presence of God, like being here, or the presence of the saints, and the fellowship of the saints, and the prayer of the saints, and the things that goes on during church. I mean, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And, and another thing is that if you're a parent, because we've been parents and now grandparents, uh, you really want to get your children into church. If you come like twice once a month, your, your kids will probably come about twice a year. And so you really want to instill that value into your, your children in a big way. And so sometimes people don't come to church until all hell's breaking loose. But you should come to church so hell doesn't break loose. I'm just saying. I think some people don't come to church or they don't come to church often because they think church is for them. If you think church is for you and that's it, then you come for the wrong purpose. That's the lowest level of believing if church is for you. Church is for us coming to minister to God. Now, will you experience the presence of God? Absolutely. But we're here to come to minister to the Father. It's not like, hey, I don't like that worship song, and therefore, you know, I'm just kind of, no, we're here to, to minister to the Father and to minister to one another, not just consumers. If you're just a consumer, I may see you occasionally, but if you get the, the, the understanding that we're here not for ourselves, but for each other, it's a wonderful thing. Good preaching, J.O. And that's... And that's free, and that's free, and that's not what I'm preaching about today, but you should, you really need to know that, because in America, we're such consumers. You go to Fred Meyer or Albertsons, or you can go to Grocery Outlet, or you can go to Winco, or you go to Costco, I mean, you have a smorgasbord of groceries. You have the same deal with churches, but go for the right reasons, go for the right reason. Uh, today, uh, we're still in a series, you asked for it. We're going to do a, 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 a whole series on the number one thing that you asked for. Uh, 88 of you asked for uh, a message on the Holy Spirit. Well, if, if 88 asked for, it, for that, we're going to do a series on the Holy Spirit. Last year, it was relationship. Today, 14, I think it was 14 of you asked in the area of emotional health down that whole area, and I'm going to preach on that today. It's something that I'm very, very passionate about because it's some things that I have battled, 
And so it's called running on empty. Say that with me, running on empty. Some of us need to get our life back because of damaged emotions and pain and drama and trauma, stronghold sabotaging, uh, intrusive thoughts, so forth and so on. So I hope to share some light upon that today. How many of you were born in 1977? I mean, you were at least on earth. Not that you were born in the year of 1977, but you were here on earth in 1977. Raise your hand. Running on, running on empty, running on, running blind, running on, running into the sun, but I'm still running behind. You know who that is? Three of you, Jackson Brown. It was a really popular song, big time, great song. How many of you knew, had heard that song before? That's, the, that's definitely the most by far uh, in any of the gatherings, so thank you. I think in some of the gatherings, people are like born again in the womb or something. I don't know. It's like, you've never heard Jackson Brown running on empty? My goodness. Many mental and emotional challenges and stresses and strongholds and that whole area will drain you and will leave you on E. And I want to talk about that today. We know how to get our life back a lot of times when it comes to physical, physically getting in shape. But I want to talk to you about getting in shape mentally and emotionally. Physically, we know how to go to the gym. We get a, a gym pass. Uh, we know how to you know, do some resistance or aerobics. How many of you remember aerobics? Remember aerobics? And then now CrossFit and Christfit and all kinds of ways of getting in shape. Hey, you want to get bigger, heavier weight, lower rep or higher rep, lower weight, all kinds of diet, keto, paleo, golo, molo, solo. I don't care what you call it. There's all kinds of diets out there for whatever you want to do. And we know how to kind of get our life back physically, but I want to talk to you about getting your life back in the area of your emotional life back. You can look good on the outside and be jacked up on the inside. There's my good friend, Beth. Hi, Beth and Chris. Hey, you guys. Chris's wife, I'm sorry I forgot your name, but I'm so glad that you're here. Sarah. This is my really good friends. They've been my friends for many years. I'm so glad that you're here today. God bless you guys. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And I'm sorry I forgot your name, Sarah. I, I apologize. The life, the devil, your wrong choices, and sin throws many things at us in this life. Life doesn't care if you're born again, saved, or you love Jesus. Life doesn't. Now, Jesus cares, but life doesn't care. It's kind of like rain. You could be a Christian here standing in the rain or a Satan worshiper standing in the rain, and both of you get soaked in the rain. 
right? And so life will throw things at you in a very big way. But where do, ne- where do all these uh, negative emotions and baggage and strongholds and wrong thinking, where do they come from? I want to share just with you a, a short list of where I think they come from and, and why we deal with them as humans. First of all, they come from sin, our sin, and sin from others. Sin, some, sometimes it's not our sin. Sometimes it's things that's been done to us. That's a real thing. Sometimes it's a satanic attack. Sometimes there's a demonic attack upon your life. Sometimes we open doors that we shouldn't. I remember smoking weed between seventh and eighth grade. And the way that I would put it is that my brain worked well. And then smoking weed, I broke a dam in my brain and things began to happen that should not have happened. I had panic attacks, chronic anxiety. You can say, well, yeah, I've been smoking weed for 30 years because it's legal in Washington. Just because something legal doesn't mean that it won't kill you and jack up your life. I don't go by the Constitution of America as much as I go by the Bible. The highest authority in the land is the Word of God. Not what the culture says, but what God says. I really jacked my life up with this thing that's legal in some states called weed. Drugs, trauma. Trauma is like blood in water for sharks when it comes to the enemy snuffing out and putting strongholds in your life and really impacting your heart and you emotionally. The eye gate, sexual immorality, there's all kinds of things. For the sake of this sermon today, a lot of you know my story, but because of this sermon and where I'm coming from emotional and sharing, kind of being transparent with you today, I'm going to share a little bit of my story, especially for those who are new. So my parents got killed in 1973 along with their associate pastors, uh, five orphans from the back seat, their parents were killed. And then my sister and I, we went to move in with my grandparents in 73. In 82, I went to a wreck. When I got to the wreck, I jumped out of this car and I was, I was just chasing ambulance because we, we were bored stiff in South Carolina in the country. And uh, when I got to the wreck, and my sister was laying beside the road, and she was three months pregnant, and she had been killed. They found me at my mom and dad's graveyard talking to my dead mom and dead dad about what just happened to my sister. I, I was beside myself. I almost lost my mind. There's things that happen to us in life that can really impact us emotionally, mentally. David said, the Lord restores my, what do you think your soul is? It's made up of your emotions. (laughs) I'm so mad. I'm so angry. Whatever that is, God wants to restore your soul. He wants you to be aware of this today so that he can begin to heal and restore your life in the area of panic, anxiety, fear, depression, all kinds of things. We go through things sometimes that's painful. My wife's battled cancer three times, and that's, it's not just the cancer, but it's everything around that too. Now, cancer is bad. It's from hell, but also just the, the aspect it can have on you emotionally uh, for her, for me, for our family, so forth and so on. When we remodeled this building, uh, you probably, some of you may or may not remember it, but we, uh, we, 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 we were, had to get out of our other building and we had to get in this building, but this building wasn't ready yet. So we had to go to the fairground for three months. How many of you remember the fairground for three months? 
there was a name. We called it something. We call it the rally. Well, you were having fun, and I was rallying in hell. I was going through one of the worst times of my life because I'm dealing with the city, I'm dealing with contractors, I'm dealing with trying to get us, I'm trying to find us a place to live. Find a, find, you know, it's one thing when you get kicked out of the apartment, find, you know, find an, find an apartment for a thousand people or more. And so all of a sudden, man, I am running on empty. I am E, man. I can't even siphon some gas. I, am, I remember walking my dog going, I don't know how this is going to end. I am running beyond empty. And then I started, I'm being, can I be transparent with you today? If you don't like it, you can lump it. And I'm going to be real because I want to help people. And so I started dealing intensely with OCD. Like, wow, I'm not talking about, oh, you got to have your, your shoes straight in your, in your closet. No, I, I started struggling with OCD in a very intense way that was controlling my life during the building of this. You can see why a lot of pastors, after they go through a building program, in three months, they're out. But you don't know what you don't know. Well, I, well, I found out. All these things happen to us in life, and then all of a sudden, my daughter has twins, doesn't even run in our family, and they're beautiful, and you know, four days in, we get a call, and my daughter says, can you meet me at the emergency room and come and pick up JoJo, because our, my, our twins, they're, they're struggling, Dad, and we go there, pick up JoJo, and they get him in the hospital quick enough where they stop breathing in the hospital. They're battling. We don't even know what's going on. They're in this, the uh, NICU, and then all of a sudden, they fly them from the NICU here to the NICU in Spokane. Uh, they have wires, and they're, I mean, it was sad to see them. I was, I was driving one Wednesday at noon to come to prayer, and a helicopter lifted off the hospital, and that was one of my grandsons going to the NICU in Spokane. I was beside myself. I thought, I'd, I thought Radine and I had prayed before. But until you're going through the worst time of your life, I didn't even know we could pray like we prayed. But I do know that these poor people cried to the Lord and the Lord heard them and delivered them out of all their fears. God met us there in the the twins are doing great. But these are the things that we deal with in life. Some of you have dealt with stuff in life and it impacts you if you don't unpackage it. And I want to talk about unpackaging some things in your life because so, you don't want to just, you want to unpackage it instead of packing it. Listen to what Jesus says in, in John 14, 27. He says, code red, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Trouble comes to steal your heart. Now, trouble comes in all kinds of packages, but it comes to steal your heart. Why? Because the devil is a destroyer. 
Now, our fight is not against flesh and blood. It may look like a human that's destroying you. It may look like a human that's attacking you. And, and, you know, naturally they may be attacking you, but we know our fight is not against flesh and blood. The enemy is the one that destroys us. He is after you. Don't play patty cakes with you. He wants to do, he comes to destroy your life. Jesus comes to give you life and life abundant. But there is a war between those two. There's something about fiery arrows. If you've never had one. Wow. When trouble hits, we have to learn to guard our hearts and guard our, our thoughts, guard our mouths, so we don't get destroyed. Wrong, undealt with damaged emotions, wrong thinking which sometimes leads to strongholds. I'm going to talk about that today. We'll leave you busy, busy, busy. And why do I say busy, busy? Because it's not, it's not a good busy. It's like you can't enter into rest because you're busy here and you're busy here. And it will even try to keep you out of your prayer closet because you're so wrongly busy. I don't even know if that's proper English. And I don't really care because you get it. It's like trying to keep balloons, balloons underneath the water in the ocean. The waves are hitting. You got balloons. All these balloons are, are negative emotions that you haven't dealt with. And I, wanna, I want you to see that today. I got me some negative emotion balloons right here. Uh, here's me a marker. Why don't we start out with something that most of us deal with? How about, has anybody ever dealt with worry before? If you've dealt with worry before, raise your hand. And everybody else is lying through their teeth. <laughs> just lying in church. How can you be born and not worry occasionally? Even the coolest person in the world worries occasionally. But that's an emotion that we deal with that can grasp you if you're not careful. It can go from worry to what ifs all the time. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. Which is... Another very, very tough negative emotion, anxiety. Anybody ever dealt with anxiety before? Don't you touch my negative emotion. It's mine. Anybody dealt with anxiety? What ifs? If you want to know what will wear you out is all these negative emotions and broken, damaged emotions and wrong thinking and the what ifs and we just try to keep them all under the water because what will, what will people think of us and what will they, what? And it will wear you absolutely out. Let me, let me set the stage for you. A lot of the heroes in the Bible, in the Old Testament, they're real. The Noahs and the Moses and all, but they're also types and shadows of Jesus. We see Jesus in all the books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. One of the typologies of Jesus is a guy named David. Other than Jesus, he is my favorite character in the Bible. Let me set the stage for you. If you look at 1 Samuel 22.1, it says, David, therefore, just kind of look at these two verses. Uh, they're going to be up on the screen. Check out these people who David are, are associated with or associates with David. And then I'm going to plant, you know, 
continue to unfold this story because we're going somewhere with this. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. Verse 2, and everyone who was in distress, say that with me, distress. Have you ever been in distress before? Everyone who was in debt, say debt. Have you ever been in debt before? And everyone who was discontented gathered to him. He became captain over them. And there were about 400 men with them. Actually, David was a pastor. He was a pastor of 400 dudes, discontent, in debt, jacked up. The COAC church, the cave of Adullam church. I know he was a captain, but it was really like he was a pastor. Now fast forward because I want you to see what these people went through and how it impacted him and what David went through as a leader himself and, and how he had to deal with some of these very, very uh, negative attacks and negative emotions and how he dealt with it. First uh, Samuel 30 verse 1. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag. That's a cool name. Everyone say Ziglag. It was a city that had been given to David. And on the third day, the Amicalites had invaded the south and Ziglag, attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire. So imagine all of a sudden David and his 400 men, they've been out doing what men do and they get to Ziglag. They're excited. They've been away from their wives and their kids and aunts and grandkids. They get back there and the city is burnt to a crisp. All it is is smoldering in smoke. They've been gone forever and smoldering, nothing but ash and maybe some coals, and it gets worse because all of their wives and their children had been kidnapped, captured. Aunts, uncles, cousins, they're all gone. So a smoldering city and all the enemy had came in and stolen all the families. And it gets worse. These like Green Beret, Navy SEAL type guys, 400 warriors, the Bible says that they began to weep and they cried and they cried until they could weep no more. That's a bad day. 400 men crying and weeping until they couldn't Weep any longer. Their city and all their families are gone. And it gets worse for David. You think that's bad. What happens is that the people, they, they're so distraught, so distressed. They've wept so long that this is what they decided to do. It says, for the people spoke of stoning David. Who are these people? These are his 400 men. These are those who have his six. These are the warriors that he was the captain. It'd be like all of a sudden I make a wrong decision and the church staff is like, Jail, we're going to stone you, man. But 400 men spoke of stoning David. And David was distressed. 
Why was he so distressed? Well, these guys who were his partners now, I tell you what he really was other than distressed is he was disappointed. Have you ever been disappointed before in life? All of a sudden you're disappointed in a, in a life or you're disappointed in a spouse or you're disappointed in a family member. Things didn't turn out the way that you thought it should turn out. Your business didn't turn out and you're just absolutely disappointed. These people are disappointed. David's disappointed because all of his guys have turned on him and he's broken hearted. You have to deal with disappointment in your life. You can't just bury disappointment. You need to talk about your disappointment. You need to unpack your disappointment because disappointment will eat you alive. I've been disappointed before as a pastor. I've been disappointed as a, as a, as a husband and a family and a friend. It's easy to get disappointed. David was disappointed and I can tell you, oh, let me just do my disappointed. I'm going to do a double D. Distressed and disappointed. Don't you mess with my <laughs> negative emotions, bro. The reason why he's so, if you dig deep, the reason why he's so distressed and disappointed is because there isn't an emotion, if you're not careful with, will take you out and it's called rejection those closest to you they can reject you and it's like mm, right in the stomach you ever had the wind knocked out of you before well it's like the spiritual wind knocked right out of your life <gasps> Radine and I have Throughout 33 years of ministry, or close to, we've, we've dealt with distress. We've dealt with, well, we've dealt with about everything. But rejection really hurts. You know, when you have a family member that cancels you because they believe in homosexuality, and the only way they're going to stay a family member with you is that if you say homosexuality, is not a sin. Well, I don't want to pick on any sin. If you're living in fornication today, having sex outside of wedlock, that's a sin. If you're living and sneaking around on your husband or your wife, it's called adultery. That's a sin. If you're sleep, sleeping, sleeping with the same sex, homosexuality, whatever, that's a sin. You understand? I can't. I don't say it's a sin. The Bible says it's a sin. God says it's a sin. And you want me to change the Bible so that it lines up with the way that you want to live? It's called deconstruction. I'm not going to do that. So you got to cancel me. It's not because I'm picking on any sin out there. Lying is a sin. People think we pick on sin. We pick on all sin because all sin left to itself. The wages of sin is death. And so we've been canceled because of those things. You're talking about the feeling of rejection. Oh my goodness. We had the sound one time. That's our prophetic conference. Bring in. Who's ever been to the sound before? Raise your hand real high. 
So I'm talking to the majority. Some of you haven't been there. It happens in January. We bring in known prophets, prophetess, and so forth and so on. And one time, these wonderful, beautiful couple, they just didn't really get the word that they desired or something whacked out. They were leaders in the church. And, 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 they and man, right after the sound, they just said, we're out. I remember at Emma Street being in the back classroom weeping because I felt so rejected. It was out of my control. I, didn't, I don't tell the prophets what to say. We want to hear from heaven. If a prophet makes a mistake, they can make a mistake and they can apologize because we prophesy in part, but we don't try to manipulate somebody. Are you feeling me? But rejection, some of you have been rejected. And you have to deal with rejection. You don't want to bury rejection. Just like you don't want to bury grief. Rejection and grief are like double first cousins, man. I'm telling you. If you lose someone, like you lose a, a spouse or you get divorced or whatever, it's like a grief that you go through. But there's a grieving period. Why is there grieving? Why did they, why did they grieve over Moses or Abraham for 30 days? Because you don't want to bury that. They cried for 30 days. Why? Let it out. Are you feeling me? Don't be a tough old redneck Idaho guy just like... You'll, you'll implode. And there's nothing wrong with being a redneck if that's who you want to be. My point is, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, don't be a racial redneck. There's a problem with that. There's a big problem with that. But my, my point is, is you don't want to be all tough and just bury things. Are you feeling me today? I don't need your emails after this sermon at all. I don't need any emails. I don't need your rejection. And if you don't deal, uh, deal with rejection, I'm going to tell you right now, oh, let me do my rejection. Got to do my little rejection balloon. Oh, that's a big one right there. Whew, wow. Painful. But what's worse, if you don't deal with rejection, get away from me, because it'll come right back <laughs> and try to keep, see how they go, man. They just float over. Try to keep those under the water. And if you don't deal with rejection, you'll be dealing with the big U word, unforgiveness, unforgiveness. And if you don't deal with unforgiveness, it gets worse. <laughs> this is a bad one. Red. Unforgiveness not dealt with is like keeping your, 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 your milk out in the sun. It sours. Bitterness. You might go to heaven. But you're the meanest Christian. You're meaner than a rattlesnake. Look like you've been sucking on lemons all the day. Just like, I go to the heart of the city church. You want to go with me? I love you. I'm madder, madder than a hornet, but I love Jesus. It's called bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15 says, looking carefully carefully, 
least anyone fall short of the grace of God, least any root, everyone say root, of bitterness springing up cause trouble. It'll cause a lot of trouble. And by this, many become defiled. If you want to change the fruit of your life, like, to peace and joy and kindness, not fakeness, but real, you change the root, you change the fruit. Distress, disappointment, resentment, unforgiveness, bitterness, these emotions, these wrong thinking undealt with will lead to the biggest one of all time. I'm going to call it S. Everyone say stronghold. You ever hear us singing about strongholds? You're like, what is a stronghold? I'll tell you what a stronghold is. A stronghold is wonderful if Jesus lives in your stronghold. If he lives in that stronghold, hallelujah. It's, a, it's, it's really a, a battle term. But if you have a wrong, ungodly, demonic stronghold and the enemy, you're like, can, can a demon live within a Christian? Well, he can live in a stronghold in a Christian. What's a stronghold? It's a house of thoughts. You thought wrong and you added more wrong thoughts to that. You're like, I hate that person. I double hate that person. I want to kill that person. I'm not going to forgive that person. You know what that person did to me? I can't believe he did that to me. That's unfair. That's unjust. That's unright. And all of a sudden you build a stronghold, a house of thoughts. And before you know it, you are tormented. All of a sudden things are going good. And the enemy, because there's a stronghold inside of you, sabotages you. Where'd that come from? Where'd that arrow come from? Where'd that intrusive thought come from? Wow, what is controlling me? Why is this happening to me? Stronghold, stronghold, stronghold. You could read, I think Paul dealt with strongholds. If you read in Romans 7 and 8, the things I don't want to do, I do, and the things I do want to do. And he talked about sin being within his member. Stronghold. Well, I want to tell you today that the tools that God gives us, the weapons that God gives us, are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. You don't have to live with a stronghold. You can dismantle them. You can blow them up. You can renew your mind and your life can be changed. You don't have to be controlled by stronghold. It reminds me of, of, of the city Jericho. Jericho was a cursed city. And the Bible says in Joshua 6.1, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none went in. Hear that. None went into the city and none came out of the city. It's just like a stronghold. Nothing good can go inside of you and nothing bad can come out. You're stuck, just like locked. Have you ever talked to someone and you encourage them? It goes into their ear. It does a flip-flop. And then all of a sudden you hear that they say something wrong about you. It's like, I didn't say that. How did that happen? You got that. All I did was try to build them up. I tell Don he's handsome. He tells somebody, oh, J.O. called me ugly. <laughs> you know what that is? That's a stronghold. A stronghold goes in, flip-flops, comes out, lies, and all kinds of crazy stuff. God wants to remove strongholds out of your life. Um, the guy that 
killed my sister. It was an accident, but it was bad because he was doing 95 and a 45 and he was on quaaludes and all kinds of drugs in the middle of the day, in the, in the afternoon. I went to the court. They didn't do anything. I ac- accidentally ran into him in uh, a bar a, a, a month or two later and the first night I got locked up and I ran into him again and I didn't get locked up, but I got taken downtown again. Why? Because I had pain. I was bitter. I wanted to basically kill him and I wanted him. He had created a lot of pain in my life. In my brother-in-law's life, in our family, Probably the most pain I've ever felt in my life, or one of them, other than when we were going through with the twins, but before BC days was because of this dude, right? And that was like in 82, 83. In 86, I get born again. I come to know Jesus Christ. Praise God, right? And then the Holy Spirit says, I want you to forgive him. You want me to forgive him? I mean, I'll forgive everybody in America, but him? Yeah, I want you to forgive him. And I really didn't know how to do that. So I did my best. You know how I did it? I just started doing this. I remember clearly. I just said, I forgive him. I forgive him. I forgive him. I forgive him. I wanted to kill him. But I had to forgive him. I 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 forgive him. And God would remind me, you know all that I have forgiven you of? I was an evil dude. And he forgave me of all of that. I forgave him. I forgave him. Do you know what happened? I literally forgave him. I forgave him. I think if he came, I haven't seen him since, but I think if he came in today, I'd embrace him, preach the gospel to him. Hallelujah. I forgive him. But boy, I tell you what, it was wrecking my life because of the bitterness and the anger and the hatred I had towards him. This message is about getting your life back. And I want to close with just a few quick steps that I've done throughout my life that I promise works if you will do it. And it's in the Bible. The Bible teaches us how to get our life back. Uh, 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, it says, Now David was greatly distressed. We talked about that. For the people spoke of stoning him. We talked about that. Because of the soul of the people was grieved. We talked about that. Every man for his son and daughter. We talked about that, but we haven't talked about this one. But David strengthened himself. In the Lord his God. I don't care if you've been you've known Christ for a year or 30 years. You have to get this down. You have to learn to strengthen yourself in your God. It was very personal 
for David. It wasn't that I'm going to go to the Christian bookstore and I'm going to get 30 self-help books. I'm going to go and I'm going to get a therapist to meet with me 30 times. I'm going to go meet with every pastor in the city. There's nothing wrong with most of those things. But I will tell you this, that's not what David needs. There's sometimes that you got to go to the source, God and God alone. The Bible said that he strengthened himself in his God. You have to learn to do that. Because nothing else will work in this life if you don't know how to really get with God. And the Bible teaches us how to do that. In, in hunting, we have this thing called DIY. Do it yourself. You go hunting on yourself. You don't get a guide. You DIY. Well, as a Christian, you have to DIY. Do it yourself when it comes to these areas. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 30, verse 8, in the very beginning, right after that, it says, so David inquired of the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord because he inquired of the Lord. That means to request. It means to demand. Listen, to this. it means to beg and borrow. You sometimes, you got to get tenacity with it. That's a word I made up. It's tenacity and nasty. You got to just get tenacity with it in your prayer life and get really real with Jesus and cry out to him. Beg and borrow. Inquire of him because he's your answer. Inquire of the Lord. Number two, inquire of his word. Sometimes I don't always know what the word is teaching me, but I promise you if you will just meditate on the word of God, you're going to prosper in all ways. Psalms 1. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to separate. Look, look, look. The soul and the spirit of a man, it separates the two. The word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word. Oh, it's a light into my path. How can a young man cleanse his way? Taking heed to thy word. Inquiring, listen to me, of the word. How often do you do that? Well, that's my number three, inquiring daily, my daily devos. You think that I get what I mostly get out of Sunday gatherings? No, 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 no. I get what I get out of my daily devotions with God. Worshiping him, thanking him, praising him, seeking his word. My daily devotions. Number three. Number four, say this with me, solitudes. Americans can't spell solitudes. I'm convinced. I say solitudes, what, what, what are you talking about, Jay? Solitude, what is that? I'm scared to be by myself. All of a sudden, it's quiet. You're like, turn on the music. Where's my phone? Because we're all addicts to our phone. Yeah, we're, yeah, you too. And solitude. Jesus had solitude for 40 days. Moses was on the mountain of God 40 plus 40, 80 days without food or water, supernatural fat. That's some solitude right there. Uh, 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 Elijah was in the cave and Jesus came and found him. That's, that's solid. Jacob wrestled with the angel of God all night long. I won't let you go till you bless me. Come on, somebody say solitude. solitude. God will meet you in the solitude. Take courage, my heart. Stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. He's in, he's in the waiting. The upside down kingdom of God, he's in the waiting. 
Number six, share with a trusted friend. Share with a trusted friend that you, I'm talking about a covenant friend. One time I had someone meet with me after church and they were really, really, really close to me. And something happened. I don't even know what happened. But they says, we're out of here. He was a son of mine. And it broke my heart. Troubled, rejection, everything that I'm talking about. You know what I did? I got in my car and I called my pastor who's like my dad in the Lord. I says, Bob, I got to come and see you. I drove about six and a half hours to Vancouver, Washington. I get there. I go out to eat with him and his wife eating Indian food. That wasn't really the, you know, it was good. Indian food's good, but that wasn't the whole deal. Then we watch a stupid movie, and that wasn't the real deal. Then the next morning, he gets me up before the Robins are talking, and we go and, and do CrossFit, and they about beat me to death in CrossFit. I was, and then I got in my car and drove back. I was sore in my body before I even got back. And you're like, Jail, how did it help? It helped me talking to a trusted friend, just being with a trusted friend. It's amazing if you'll just get with a trusted friend. Confess your faults one another. Pray that you may be healed. And remember who's with you. Number seven, always remember who's with you. We're the only belief system where the God of the universe actually comes and lives inside of you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 73 23, 26, it's beautiful. Listen to this. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you receive me to glory. Whom I have in heaven but you. And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside of you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and portion. Paul said this, when all forsook him, guess what? The Lord stood with Paul. <laughs> All forsook him, but the Lord stood with Paul. And my last one is Jude 1.20. But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying. Look, 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 look. Praying in the Holy Spirit. If you don't know what that is, you know what you should do? Is you should study the word and figure that out. Because you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and you need to be able to pray in the Holy Spirit. You know how to build your body up with protein and carbs and protein shakes and uh, Diet Coke and all that. But how do you, well, I'm not saying that you build your body up with Diet Coke, but it will make you, it will, it will give you a spurt of energy. But how do you build your spirit, man? Praying in the Holy Ghost. I, I, I got to take care of all these negative emotions now. Can, I, can you give me just a few minutes as I take care of these negative emotions? Here, just one at a time. Just one at a time. Here. Here, let's, let's talk about these. Here, here. S. Strongholds. You got to demolish them. You can be 40, 50, 60 years in the Lord. You know the negative part of growing old in your, mature, in, in your Christianity? If you have a stronghold, if you don't deal with it, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. You better demolish the strongholds in your life. You think they're going to just go away? I got news for you. They'll just in increasingly get strong. Demolish them with the word of God. B. 
Go ahead and set your milk out. Let it sour. Get bitter. You better deal with the bitterness in your life. I'll run into you one day. You're like, look like an old pirate. (laughs) Don't let bitterness ruin your life. Come on. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You don't let, you don't have to allow bitterness. You know what you do is you forgive. You let it go. Tell your neighbor right there, let it go. Go ahead, tell him, let it go. Uh-oh. It's kind of backwards, but it doesn't matter. Unforgiveness, you better deal with unforgiveness. Come on, let it go, let it go, let it go. R. Anybody remember that one? Those closest to you can really bring serious pain. But it's not even those who's close to you sometimes. People can just reject you. What's cool is that Jesus was rejected for you so that you don't have to take that on. He took on your rejection. He did. Look at Isaiah 53. D&D. Distressed. What's the other one? How many of you have been disappointed in life? It will happen. Don't live with your head in the sand going, well, it's not. It's going to happen. Life's going to happen. But how will you deal with it? Unpackage it. Don't bury it. Anxiety, ultimately it's fear. Don't allow fear to control your life. Jesus didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Fear is a spirit, and it's not from God. Worry, stop it. Some of you are really, some of you know how to meditate so well and you don't even know it. You're the greatest meditators in the world because you worry and worry and worry and worry and worry. You know how to meditate. You're like, oh man, worry, worry, worry. You're meditating good. You're just meditating on the wrong thing. You need to meditate on the word of God. Meditating on the word of God is like a cow chewing his cud. That's what meditating on the word of God is. Meditating on the word of God. It's a good thing. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, light unto my path. Thy word. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word. Meditating on the word of God will change your life. Now, let me close with this. The next big event in David's life after going through this horrendous time, you know what his next big event? Just read it. Just follow it in the Bible. You know what happened to David? He was crowned king because he responded correctly. He went back and got his wife and kids and all that and destroyed the enemy. But he didn't let these things take him out. If you allow these negative emotions to control your life, you'll miss your next biggest event. Because you know what you'll be doing? And then all of a sudden you're not worried any longer, but you're worried that you're not worried. 
And then you're not feeling guilty any longer, but then you're not, I'm like, I'm not feeling guilty. I, I feel guilty about not feeling guilty and I better get some anxiety going and some more. You get on the anxiety training. You know what God wants to do is set you free. <laughs> truly free. Who the sun sets free is free. And he does it through truth. And I hope that I was able to share some truth to you today. In these, I've dealt with this stuff. I can preach it. I didn't get it out of a book, yo. I got it out of my life. And God wants to set you free.